Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You know, I... Um I got to tell you, I was not prepared to have a baby. Right? Everybody tells you what it's going to look like, but you can't anticipate or be prepared for what it's going to look like. Everybody tells you what it's going to feel like to hold your own son, but uh, no one can prepare you for that. Everybody tells you what it's going to smell like, but no one can prepare you for that, right? Mm. I, was, uh, I was not prepared, but really nothing could have prepared me for what happened 2,000 years ago. I, uh, I remember very clearly standing in Mary's parents' house and just looking into those deep, dark eyes. She was just so beautiful. I really thought that, uh, that destiny had brought us together, right? It was actually uh, my parents. But um, <laughs> it was an arranged marriage. Her parents and my parents had been friends for years, but it didn't really matter. I just, I just loved her. She was beautiful, and if you knew her, you would understand. She was just... She was just amazing. Our, uh, our engagement, as you may know, is very different from uh, your engagement that you have today. It was more of a betrothal, meaning we would have a year that was set aside. That's right, a, a whole year. And in that year, as that year set, we actually exchanged papers that was a promissory note that I would give to her father, that I would actually take her to be my, be my wife. And a year allowed a couple of things. First of all, I would go to my father's house and I would add on a, uh, a room, which is great for me being a, a carpenter. And the second thing that would happen during that year is it was kind of a, of a test of marital faithfulness. If after that year I had been faithful to Mary and she had been faithful to me, then they would, we would be married. So that's, <laughs> that's why it was so hard when she told me she was pregnant. 
I knew I wasn't the father. She knew I wasn't the father, but still. You know, the weird thing is, you know, I just, I loved her. I mean, I, I didn't want to humiliate her, even though she had humiliated me. Even though my parents wanted me to publicly shame her, I just decided I'm going to give her some divorce papers and I'm just going to quietly walk away. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't prepared for that. Then one night, I was trying to get some sleep, and an angel appeared to me. <laughs> I now kind of can put it together that what the angel was doing, the reason why I was there was to fulfill the prophecy that was given by Isaiah, that a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know what the angel said to me? The angel said, Joseph, son of David. That's not unimportant, Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for what is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. And you shall have a son. Did you catch that, by the way? You shall have a son. I get what's going on here. This is not my son, but I have to treat him like my son. That's what's going on. You shall have a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sins. <laughs> I was not prepared to hear that. I mean, think of my position. Here I am, a, a quote, righteous man, but I'm living with my fiance who's pregnant with somebody else's baby. I'm overwhelmed, but I, I get it at this point. I mean, after all, Mary's done nothing wrong. In fact, the angel had said to her she was highly favored of the Lord. So, uh, so I just did it. You know, I, I took her as my wife, brought her home, kept her a virgin until the day she would give birth. And that was, that was a day I wasn't prepared for either. It was horrible timing. There was a census for the purpose of taxation taking place. And so because I was of the family of David, even though I lived in Nazareth, and that's where my business was and my family business, I left all of that and traveled 90 miles to, uh, to Bethlehem. I remember thinking as we were making that journey, what is going through Mary's mind? In those days, the mothers and the grandmothers served as the, the birth coaches and the nurses and the doctors, and Mary had none of that. She was traveling 90 miles on the back of a donkey in her last trimester of pregnancy. Now, I know you guys like to have donkeys in your churches around Christmas time because you think it's so cute and sentimental. I got to tell you, it was awful. <laughs> it was just terrible. We get into Bethlehem. I knew we wouldn't have any place to stay because I didn't have any immediate family there that would take me in, but I at least thought we could get a hotel. By the way, it's not really a good decision when you have a family. The hotels there were little more than brothels. They were, they were horrible places to stay, but it's all we had. But even the, even the hotel wouldn't take us in. So the innkeeper said that there was a cave out back where he kept the animals and he wouldn't mind if we stayed there. And so we did. And, not even making that decision very long before the baby starts to come. And there we are in the cave. It's just me and Mary and the animals, and, and she gives birth. And I'm, I'm holding my son. 
And some shepherds come in and they tell the strangest story. They say that not a couple of angels, but like millions of angels had empty heaven to tell them what was going on. And they came here to see and I began to rejoice and they began to rejoice. It was just an incredible, holy, singular night. And we all left rejoicing. Mary, who was always contemplative, was unusually contemplative that night. Jesus, uh, well, he, he grew up to be the most incredible child. He was a wonderful, wonderful young man. And you don't read much about me in your Bibles because I actually died before Jesus really got into his ministry, what he's really known for. The only other time you read about me in the Bible was kind of a bad time, actually. We had traveled to the temple from where we lived to make our annual pilgrimage to give sacrifice. And on the way back, um, well, it's a little embarrassing, but I, um, I lost Jesus. I mean... I don't know exactly what the father had in mind for me taking care of him, but I knew I wasn't supposed to lose him, right? And so I was upset, and I was worried, but I was really, really angry. He knew he should have stayed close to us, and I knew just when I found him, I was going to say something stupid like, you know, I've, I've never given God a spanking, but I'm not afraid to try, you know? Uh, <laughs> so we found him, or rather he found us, and before I could say something really stupid, he said to me, well, Dad, didn't? Didn't you know I should be about my father's business? (laughs) You know, I was so worried about my son, but my son, as always, was only worried about pleasing his father. So he just was this great kid. And even after I passed away, I had the opportunity to take him into the shop and teach him a lot of the trade. And he grew up to do these incredible things. He had this incredible teaching ministry and thousands of people that I got to watch from heaven would gather on hillsides and watch him teach. All these phenomenal things took place during this time. And it was starting to be fulfilled what we had learned later, well, excuse me, what we'd earlier heard from Simeon in the temple that he would be someone who would actually be a, a light to the nations and would be the glory of his people, Israel. And I couldn't understand that at first. I mean, when Simeon told us he was going to be a light to the nations, that's, a, that's the Gentiles, that's the Romans, that's the Samaritans, that's, that's you. I wasn't prepared to hear that. But watching Jesus minister and doing all the incredible things that he was doing, and I can understand it now. Simeon also told us something we would later understand. He said that when Jesus would grow up, he would be opposed, and that certainly happened. And he also said that his ministry and his life would be like a sword piercing Mary's heart. That certainly happened as well. As the opposition grew, it became very clear that Jesus was going to be killed. So again, remember, I'm I'm watching this from heaven. And the cross was uh, just awful. I mean, I'm the carpenter, right? So I'm noticing the woodwork. (laughs) The cross was notched on two sides and fastened together with rope. It was Roman work. It was all very crude. It wasn't my work. But the sin, the sin that held Jesus there, that was my work. 
I mean, it might as well have been me that was driving the nails. Heaven was so silent. And I realized in that moment that I wasn't the only heartbroken father in heaven that day. It was just so, so hard. I wanted to go back. I wanted to stop and I wanted to just intervene for my, for his son. The only, the only advantage of watching it from heaven is that I, I could see something that, of course, Mary couldn't understand. With the advantage of having time to spend time with some of the great saints there in heaven, I, I could start to put all these pieces together. I begin to understand what Isaiah was talking about when he talked about a, a lamb that was bruised for our iniquities and stricken for our sins. I begin to understand that. I begin to understand how Malachi talked about the, the son of righteousness that would rise with healing in his wings. I could, I could understand that. I could understand how Jeremiah talked about the, the new covenant of his blood. All these pieces were coming together, and I'm, I'm putting together now with what the angel told me, that you should call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from his sins. All this is, is kind of coming together. It's really unbelievable now. And I can see now that all back in the Old Testament, when all these sacrifices were being made, all those were just anticipating preparation for the Jesus that would, that would ultimately come, our Messiah, that, that every time a drop of blood dripped off the knife of a priest that was actually symbolic of the red royal blood of the, of the Son of God, my Son, who would, be, who would be given for all of our sins. And that God was like, it's like Abraham. He was called to, to sacrifice his son, but unlike Abraham, nobody would intervene. And for the only time in history, God would allow a, a child sacrifice. It was his own child. When Jesus' life was traded for ours. When God, hating the sin that I had committed, that you had committed, he actually allowed all his anger for that sin to be unleashed on, on his own son, so he stood in heaven watching Jesus <laughs> go about his father's business. So I'm not a scholar, I'm a carpenter, right? But in, in that moment, something just clicked. I began to understand what was going on all through the Old Testament and leading up to this moment. Did you know what the temple was about and the tabernacle and the, and the sacrifices? You know all that was? It was actually preparation for this moment. I mean, all that we read in that moment were hints and shadows of what was going to come later. All through the Old Testament, God was just preparing us as a people for what he had prepared for us. God was preparing us for what he had prepared for us. Now, when I realized that, something else came together too. I think now that that's what my life was about. I mean, just forgive me for saying it, but when the angel first appeared to me and my marriage wasn't turning out like I wanted it and my family wasn't turning out like I wanted it and my life wasn't turning out like I wanted, when I was rethinking what I thought about virtue and about God and all of that, what I realized now is that God wasn't doing all that to me because he hated me. He was doing that to me because he loved me. He was actually preparing me for what he had prepared for me. I mean, if I, if I hadn't been through all of that, then I wouldn't be ready for what I would, would later have. You know, I think I also understand Mary's life now. I mean, think about Mary's life. 
She has this unplanned pregnancy. She has all these difficulties. She has all these challenges. But through all of that, God didn't hate her. What God was doing was actually preparing her for what he had prepared for her. God prepares us for what he has prepared for us. Hey, what about you? Have you ever been through something and thought, man, I wasn't prepared for that? You know, like a, a carpenter who God decides is going to be Jesus' stepdad? What is it for you? Was it a financial loss? Divorce? Betrayal? Hey, was it an unplanned pregnancy? I understand all of that. And so if I were you, what I would learn from my life is simply this, that God didn't give you all that because he hates you. He may have given you all that because he, because he trusts you. Maybe God was just preparing you for what he has prepared for you. You may be thinking, does God really work that way? Well, you know, there's a... There's something Jesus said that, again, I understand now, I didn't understand it then, that really is kind of, it really makes a lot of sense, and it's not something people talk a lot about today. It's, John wrote it down. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, those people that follow me are like little tiny shoots that come out of a branch. I'm this major vine, and they're the little shoots that come out of the branch, and if they're doing good, if they're being productive, if they're bearing fruit, I cut them. I prune them. I hurt them. <laughs> Why? Well, it's simple, because if he does, if he does that, they'll, they'll bear more fruit. <laughs> you know, from my vantage point, I've watched a lot of people down on earth say that every problem is a result of sin or that you don't have enough faith, you can overcome this. Listen, do you ever think about this? This is what Jesus is saying, that his pruning of you is motivated by his pleasure with you. If you're really hurt, that may be God's way of saying, I'm so proud of you. I'm so pleased with you. I, I trust you. I mean, I mean, think about Mary. When the angel came to Mary, he said to her, blessed are you, highly favored of the Lord. Did that mean a pain-free existence for Mary? No, Mary, highly favored of the Lord, had to go to her parents and say, I'm pregnant and I don't know who the father is. Mary, highly favored of the Lord. Mary, highly favored of the Lord, had to explain to her fiancé that she was expecting somebody else's baby. Mary, highly favored of the Lord, had to travel 90 miles in her last few days of pregnancy to a town that she didn't even know and give birth in a place that she had never been to. Mary, highly favored of the Lord. Highly favored, Mary, Mary, highly favored of the Lord, went into a temple and had a, a guy named Simeon tell her that this child's life would be like a sword that pierced through her. And then Mary, highly favored of the Lord, had to stand there and watch her son die when the sword actually did pierce her. Mary, highly favored of the Lord. You see, 
God didn't hate Mary. He was just preparing her for what he had prepared for her. You say, does God really work that way? Well, if you're wondering about that, then you just, <laughs> you just gotta think about Christmas. I mean, what kind of God will actually institute the entire plan for the salvation of the world through a teenager giving birth in a cave? What kind of God would empty all of heaven's more of angels, more angels than had ever appeared, and when they appeared, they only appeared to a handful of redneck shepherds, and that's it? What kind of God would actually save the entire world through a 33-year-old Jew hanging naked between two thieves? It's the same God who will use your chaos to drive you to his cross. God doesn't hate you. God is just preparing you for what he has prepared for you. So again, I'm, I'm no scholar. But if you're hurt, can I just say this one last thing? If you're suffering, if you have something in your life you would feel like I'm not prepared for, I don't understand, here's what I came here today to tell you. You don't understand, you're hurt. Let me tell you something. Congratulations. Highly favored of the Lord. God is now preparing you for what he has prepared for you.